to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Hello, audience, and welcome to the Big Red Couch. I'm Craig, and on the other side of the world, pinned underneath a cat, is Ben. And this is Mama Bear. You may hear her make colour commentary during the course of the episode. She has no role-playing experience other than that of a, well, a lump. So take that into account. How is she at rolling dice? I mean, sort of just the batting d20s around does appear to be quite fun for cats. She's great at at losing them under furniture. So I guess that's a win. Certainly for the polyhedral dice consortium. Curse their early heights. Big polyhedron. Yep. Yeah. I I did used to game at a place where they had cats with thumbs. One of the cats likes to pick up dice and then drop them down holes in the floor. It paints a real picture. The, the just the fact that you are playing role-playing games, a place with with cats with probably very very closely related parents and holes in the floor. Well, if you put it that way, then that's actually alarmingly accurate. Yes. <laughs> this was, after all, in Helensville. Right. Okay, that explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> Not to our listeners, but it explains everything that we are going to tell you at this point. Awesome. And also means that uh, our podcast sales in Helensville have just tanked. Oh, well. (laughs) There are several things wrong with that statement, but okay, we'll move on from there. Cool, cool. All right. What's on the slate today? On the slate today is, this is episode 112, and this idea comes to us from Jack and is Volcano Day. I really love the suggestion, and I'm afraid that the idea that I've come for is not worthy of it. Volcano Day is just so rich with promise. And and you feel you've let the side down already? Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting in early. It is, it is. I, I, I like to lower people's expectations best of times. <laughs> We've spent 112 episodes doing it. So. True, true. We have, we have laid that groundwork. Indeed. Good stuff. So yeah, excellent, excellent and evocative suggestion. Nice and, aside from the, the idea that a timer might pass and there's a volcano, not too constrained either. Hmm. I mean, I, I have been reading through the rule book for masks, and so I did also wonder about Volcano Dave as a superhero, but I'm not quite sure how that would work. You saying that has immediately reminded me of the NPC of yours in a game once upon a time that we all decide to refer to as Persuasive Dave, which I I think might have been winding you up or might have been totally in line with the bunch of misfits that the characters were. (laughs) That was a Buffy game? It was some sort of urban fantasy thing, yeah. And with very little information other than this this figure could compel people to do stuff, and the evidence that the party had actually a party because we were like university students or something. I think so. Yeah, it was it was university. It was effectively a Buffy game at university, and we'd gone from being a bunch of amiable misfits and woke up after what is either a hell of a bender or some sort of mind control and discovered we'd been turned into the fucking A-team. That was awesome. Yeah, that was kind of terrifying. It was like, holy shit. We're really competent when we're not us. 
Yeah, I think I was going with the whole friendly competition between halls of residence just gets increasingly weird until it was just this whole siege locked down prison camp. People had been manufacturing, I think, trebuchets. Um, you had tasers modified out of flash packs for cameras, this kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. And as I recall, that was an elegant pivot from a fairly nearly disastrous turn of events where involved um, crazy jungle cat attacks. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the game, the the game kind of went went a bit array and uh, awry in the middle there, um, but we did manage to recover from it and brought in a zombie. Yeah, nice. In fact, the, the bad guy was, I think, possibly the bad guy was finished off by being decapitated by a zombie. Which is kind of ironic. Yeah. Hmm. And also, we had Kev playing a were amoeba. Yes. And my character managed to weaponize street art and uh, skateboarding. Mm. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good game. Uh, Fun times. Yeah, it was good times. Good times. Hmm. Quite a lot of geography references in there, because, eh, it was me. Speaking of geography, or is this geology? I guess it's both. Um, first one, then the other, usually. (laughs) Yeah, good point. (laughs) You, you 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 have a volcano which is is well well and truly um yeah geology and then after a while it can't, it cools down a bit and you get more geography yeah it's, it's what's happening in uh, in Hawaii at the current point it's true it's true cartographers generally wait until shit has stopped being runny before they draw it <laughs> it's just easier that way <laughs> it is just simpler it is vastly yeah. simpler say all right let's put the the boundary line oh crap. <laughs> Nope, mate. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, where where is it today? I mean, once you get down to sort of sort of scary levels of of GPS, there is the question of well, where's the country at today? Hmm. Not politically, geographically. Yeah, is it picking up speed? Hmm. Are we going to be running into any of our neighbours? Literally. Yeah, not for a while, but yeah, give it time. Yeah. Hold on to your hat. Uh, I mean, London is well. London is still sinking, courtesy of the entire UK recovering from the last ice age. So, um, yeah, that's the thing. As I said, a hell of a bender. Hell of a bender. Anyway, so Volcano Day. We also have a bunch of the stuff from Taz and Kidamono, which would have made it into the last episode had I not been just super duper jet lagged. I enjoyed the fact that you enjoyed listening to that episode as you edited it. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, the fact that I just completely did not remember most of that episode, despite having been in it. Yeah. Yeah. That was quite that was quite nice. We had some good material there. <laughs> just imagine what it would have been like if I'd been awake. <laughs> well, we won't have to this time. Alright. Hey. So have we an idea? We have idea. Idea and also sort of some, some thoughts about the treatment of the prompt. Oh, okay. That, that, that sounded sounds... way more, like, portentous and it meaningful did. than it actually is. It did. Man, I'm... I'm, I'm you have my attention. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so clearly the show's run off the rails already, folk. You had to have seen this coming. All right, so how should we do this? Well, if you are going to be talking about the handling of it, I think that's that seems like the way place to start if we're going to be thinking about what we're 
doing with this prompt or doing with the okay. games that comes from in between? It depends. What, what, well, what end of that sausage are we dealing with? Well, this one's going to be sitting right in the middle of the sausage. So, um, you know, it's kind of biting into the burrito in the middle and having... Or, or biting into the eclair in the middle and shooting the people either side of you in the ear. Um, not sure where I'm going with this, but I did see... <laughs> I, I did see somebody go full force on an eclair, as it were, and just fire a blob of cream at a high school teacher. Best day ever. That would live in infamy, indeed. Indeed, it was. It was awesome. It was awesome. Never um, so go anyway. full force on an eclair, so, son. I think that's a prompt somewhere in the. Uh, <laughs> it better be. In the um, uh, in the list somewhere, hmm. I do seem to remember it. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Oh, the, yeah, here we go. Oh, God, and it was from me. <laughs> oh, oh, that's awkward. Yeah. All right. Well, my thinking was, Volcano Day, to me, the the game kind of, to a certain extent, it depends on which which direction you're looking at Volcano Day from. Whether Volcano Day is coming or Volcano Day is a thing that's in the past. Hmm. Yes. Okay. I was, I was more. You, you you gave me the impression of relative distance for a second, and I was like, yes, yes, it would, wouldn't it? <laughs> yep. No. No. Okay. That enough. that is fair, actually. Yeah. Volcano Day when you're safely in orbit. Well, you're probably okay unless you're in some of the more excitable bits of the solar system. Yes. And Volcano Day. There's that looking at Pompeii as a fantastic archaeological site with all these little stories and 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 little time capsules buried in the ash or you're that poor fecker who had a huge lump of stone dropped on him possibly after he's dead but still it was a looked like a wily e. coyote moment a little bit yeah so appro- well approaching it as volcano day is a thing in the past i started thinking of time travel movies or time travel stories and also started thinking of well, I got reminded of the movie slash book Millennium, and also of season five of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. I won't go into too much detail on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I'm, I'm still watching uh, that season because I'm woefully behind on my media consumptions and am therefore a bad consumer. Indeed. But, uh, um, Capitalism the, will punish you. Indeed. The, I mean, oh, and also to a lesser extent, the movie The Taking of Beverly Hills. Uh, it's a weird number of times that's come up. Indeed, yeah. Basically, the whole thing of you know, Volcano Day. I mean, if we take the the classic case of Pompeii, though, um, there are other ones. You know, the Volcano Day. That is the day when everything stopped. Hmm. And whatever was there stopped being there. And you know, you can sort of extend it out and have it being a little a little bit less. Okay, it's specifically a volcano, and it's more. This was a historical event, and this was the exact day at which a thing, you know, a culture stopped existing. Hmm. Well, there's at least one case of this in New Zealand. This is the one I know about. I think on the Poor Knights Islands, where I believe this was pre-European, or at least not very post-European arrival, there was a group who lived on these islands, which are a complete shit of a thing to actually get to by boat, Hmm. because... There's quite a lot of up before you get to the flat bits, and there's only a couple of places where you can land a canoe, and so it's actually a pretty good spot defensively. Hmm. To my understanding, what had happened was, and what made it such an interesting archaeological um, site that somebody was trying to figure out how the hell to do any archaeology in because of certain problems with the location, um, 
most of the fighting force of the tribe were were away, presumably fighting someone. Somebody else turned up, killed almost everybody who was left behind, and yeah, presumably nicked all their stuff or nicked all the good stuff and and wandered away again. When the the fighting forces got back and found, well, we've got a few survivors, they basically decided, okay, we're just declaring this whole area a no-go zone and we're leaving. Which means hmm. that from an archaeological point of view, what you had was this functioning everyday society that just in the blink of an eye, they just downed tools and they left. It wasn't a gradual decline. Hmm. Just everything stopped. It was it was for, somebody referred to it as a Pompeii sort of moment that you've got this snapshot in time. So that was sort of where where I was coming from from it, but trying to turn it into a game. Um, I lunge wildly for the book and movie Millennium, which effectively has people from the future rescuing folks from plane crashes where everybody died. Because what they need are healthy people, hmm. because they don't really have any of those in the future anymore. You know, the ecosphere and everything is fucked to the point where yeah, everybody is pretty much in the non-viable category. And so they are attempting to repopulate by grabbing people who were on non-survivable plane crashes and that kind of thing. Hmm. Is this a Michael Crichton book? I mean, one in th- has that vibe? Okay, it's it's like one in three books of some some eras are Michael Crichton books. But hang on a sec, let me uh, see. I need to do the the weird one with something about Times Arrow, or it just had a bunch of archery in it because the teenagers sent back to the Middle Ages. Um, he definitely did. Yeah, I know the one you timeline or time stream something like that. That I think that was the one. Mm. Um. Okay, that is completely the wrong series. Thank you, Wikipedia. That was a pretty good series. Like, very apocalyptic and creepy. Okay. Uh, huh. John Varley, apparently. Oh, wow. Hush my mouth. I was wondering. Okay, John Varley, hmm. not uh, Michael Crichton. Um, hmm. Yeah, it didn't right. seem quite corny enough to be Michael Crichton. Harsh, but fair. Um, <laughs> He's rich enough not to care about what I think. That's fine. <laughs> So I started with that. I didn't want to just blatantly revamp, blatantly revamp the movie Millennium, uh, and also it doesn't have a lot to do with um, vol- volcanoes. And I sort of thought, well, assuming we're going with time travel, because why the hell not? You've basically got two reasons to want to visit a place that is about to be destroyed. You either want to go through a place where there's nobody there in order to nick all their shit, so mm-hmm. the taking of Beverly Hills, so it's an enormous a truly enormous heist game in which you are using the fact that um, these toxic fumes are going to be around and you're in position of gear that will allow you just to survive them, in the case of Pompeii, or you're going to use the fact of um, you know that a bunch of, yeah, that everybody here died of the plague or whatever to just go in and nick all the shit. Hmm. Which I can sort of see you could get a game out of that, but it's not really a heist game. It's more of a let's go kick the um, kick the peasants around a bit sort of game. It is very much kicking people when they're down. Yeah. The flip side of it, I thought, was okay. Rather than going with the sort of the, the genome decay thing of uh, Millennium, what if you've instead got the situation of okay, we've had we've had this absolute fucking catastrophe. 
on Earth or possibly off Earth. We've got a very small population left. We've got a bunch of our tech, but we don't. And we've got a planet that's that's functional, but we don't have is enough people to actually bootstrap ourselves a civilization anymore. And we're all going to die because while we can program a computer, nobody has the slightest idea how to butcher a deer. Hmm. But we've got this time machine. See, and we happen to know of these various places through uh, throughout history where a bunch of people who do have the skills we need were. Hmm. Effectively, it's a a repopulation effort. I'm a bit hazy on how you then turn that into how you turn that into a game. Whether you go with, I can I can see a couple of options. You either do it as the we are racing through, effectively just hazing people and chucking them into dimensional portals as the clouds ash clouds rain down or you maybe do it in a little bit more of a subtler way that you've got people embedded in you know, for example Pompeii ahead of time setting themselves up so that they can hopefully guide people to safety while the ash rains down. So it's going to be very much mm. a Okay, we're watching the clock. We we have a very finite window of opportunity here. Yes, you've just happened to have opened effectively the world's first Fallout bunker, but it is a, or some sort of cellar. Discussed with people at the place in the market how wonderful and capacious and strong your cellar is, and then you could then when Vulcan is suddenly very upset with everybody and rocks start falling from the sky, you go, "Oh, come into my cellar." To, Never mind that's very dark and slightly teleporty down there. <laughs> mm. Yeah, never mind the teleporting thing. That's just an optical illusion. Yeah. Hmm. Because there would be the thing of, can you do that and not fuck up the timeline? There's always the risk. Or are you also just sending people out because, you know, you know literally down to the millimetre where those various shapes are. Are you going to have the circumstance of people running for their lives, being directed to, come, I have a cellar that we can hide in, or I have this awesome boat we can get away. Please ignore these guys who are setting up weird polystyrene duplicates in odd places around town. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, while this diminishes the participation of the volcano, I think maybe the game to play might be you are an accountant on holiday in... Pompeii or something, who is suddenly now in the future in this weird, like, world that you've been put out suddenly, you know, and, you know, the volcano was right, things are clearly bad, but the players are actually people who have come together from all across history, and, like, and they've been basically explaining, like, okay, you're in a bad place, we've kind of saved your lives, but we, we, we understand it wasn't really at your, um, at your behest. However, we've got some things we'd like to you to help us with, like staving off the extinction of the human race. Oh, that's awesome. I don't know quite what I got the feel of that from. Maybe the... Yeah. I'm sure it's something similar. But the idea of having people scattered from across time. Maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit Riverworld, except uh, less um, afterlife-y. Yeah, that's... That's really nice. That is the hook that that thing was missing. Because, yeah, if you put it... If you've got people running around history deciding who lives and dies and which cultures can, you know, partially be saved or transplanted somewhere else, 
it raises a bunch of ethical questions for a start. But if you make the the players the subjects of this thing, you can make it unethical or not, and they can decide what to do about it. I guess this is that that level of age. Interestingly, taking away their agency of, of how of, of the place they wound up in gives them agency and things to do. Giving them yeah. the power up front to make these decisions kind of restricts their agency. Because at that, that, that point, you're like, yay! I mean, if it was a, like a Lemmings-style um, preserve a certain number of people in the situation thing, like a video game, a strategy thing, maybe. But as a role-playing game, you're going to be the people on the ground doing the thing rather than kind of executing either a plan that you're not really part of or managing it from far, which would be quite different. I don't know, but yeah. That, that is way better. That, that, yeah, because then it's rather, rather than everything being the lead up to the most colossal heist, quite literally, in history because you're nicking people, hmm. it's instead, it starts with that. Because yeah, then you've potentially got some people from because we keep going back to it, Pompeii, you've got somebody who was yanked out of a village in Europe somewhere after that, where everybody died from the Black Death. Places in the vicinity of, um, like, Krakatoa or... No. There wasn't... We don't know about any humans being around when Taupo exploded, but I guess the, the, the obvious of that was, why would we? Because <laughs> they... How would we? <laughs> How would we? <laughs> it would be... Nothing to recognise unless they were obsessed with building giant stone blocks as far away from the middle of the North Island as possible. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, you could you can rampage, you can rampage through quite a lot of history. I mean, you could go into into full on prehistoric territory. Hmm. That and this is up to the players to decide. I mean, if you go, if you if you randomly, I mean, if you're rolling the genealogical dice, the fur, the further you go back. The greater the well, the smaller the chance you'll actually affect any anyone's descendants is going to be. However, if mm. you do, you may wipe out humanity and solve your own problem. <laughs> because, yeah, there is that. Yeah, we are all descended from people who survived history. Everyone on the planet, we have that in common. Mm. And Indeed. eventually, eventually, those people get more and more closely related. But the thing that ties them all together is. They survived long enough to have kids. Who survived long enough to have kids, etc., etc., etc. No, no, no exceptions. No exceptions. There's some, some, some edge cases, but no exceptions. Yeah. Oh, I mean, in the case of sort of the natural disaster that wipes out everybody, you can be reasonably okay with rescuing everyone, mm. and you can do it. You know, you know, you know when to strike. With something like a plague. Yeah. You almost need to. Yeah, you need to basically find those people who. Yeah, this sucker is gonna die. But you need to get there before the plague does, because otherwise, well, or possibly you need to get there. I mean, it sounds horrible. You need to get there and start spiriting people away when there's no hope. Yeah, that's a, that's without a one. alerting the odd person there who wasn't gonna die from it. Hmm. And you you need to figure out who the hell that person is. Yeah. Yeah, that's extremely difficult. I mean, it was like 90% of the, the content of America was, you know, in the very, very early stages of um, contact from, what was at the time, the East. <laughs> the East of them. Yeah, it was just huge numbers of people wiped out by 
diseases that, you know, that Europeans in particular, but, you know, everyone on that main mass of Asia, Africa, Europe, had gotten basically used to, or at least had a survival rate. And yeah, mm. it just wasn't, wasn't, they weren't a thing until they suddenly were. So yeah, I think, yeah, it's more, I think it's more player-centric about the idea of the culture shock of, you know, giving these people these crazy backgrounds from cross history, but also like, fundamentally, we are behind the eight ball as far as technology is going, going on, and do we really trust these guys? I mean, the volcano was obviously exploding, but is that... Yeah, would we actually have died from that? And even if we had, does this necessarily... How, how much do we owe them? Yeah. Mm. But yeah, that would be an interesting interaction. Running around stealing people out of history seems dodgy. Interesting, but yeah, dodgy. <laughs> I mean, you can say we're doing it for the right reasons, and they would have died anyway. But, but that sounds like a bunch of other arguments that we might not need to get into. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, yeah, you've made this way more morally grey and, uh, frankly, interesting. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Okay, I'm glad I haven't totally trampled your darling, but um, yeah, I think no, that, no, be... that was. I like the idea, as you say, this this this, this flash bulb moment where, I mean, like even like something like a modern disaster like Chernobyl, where people were evacuated right fucking now, is left behind, sort of things in a vaguely radioactive but preserved state in that particular period of time, mm. which is pretty remarkable. But yeah, the idea of you come if you do that and have these people come from these moments across history where. Fair dues, they're probably going to have a bad day, but now they're, tr- they're faced with an entirely different problem. There is something rattling around inside my head. I've read a story vaguely similar, but can't for the life of me remember what it is now. Mm. Still, well, that would be quite cool. Mm. Also, you've got, to a certain extent, built into this is this really condescending attitude on behalf of whoever's operating the controls of the time machine that, oh, oh we will grab these pr- these primitives because they will know how to do all this shit. And you just imagine, of, what are you talking about? I'm a perfume maker. Yeah. Yeah, you could have somebody with a very specialized, very technical skill that is completely useless. It's like, yeah. Great. I make sandals. I make the best fucking sandals. Everyone knows they're the the, the, the the most comfortable and most hard wearing, but you guys don't want sandals. <laughs> yeah, but we're in Canada, and sandals are not that useful here for much of the year. Uh, yeah. Yes. So I guess I'm digging holes then, am I? Yeah. No, yeah, definitely playing up the. I mean, they might have. Everyone's best interests at heart, but yeah, they might actually be complete dicks to some degree. And there may be the problem is that you have to fix. That could be an interesting empathy game. It's like, oh, look, the gentlemen in the shining robes have have saved you, poor primitives, from your terrible fate. How will you repay us? It's like, excuse me. Does anybody else remember signing up to be a slave? I, I kind of feel like I'd remember that moment. Yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like, hmm, cool. And wait a fucking second. Well, that'd, be, that'd, be kind of, that'd be kind of interesting, having a bunch of folks from across 
across the ages bonding over the fact that, you know, these guys are actually kind of pushovers, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. We don't want to, we don't want to like prove any of their any of their assumptions about how we would deal with the situation, but you know, I think we probably talk circles around these people, you know. You, you make mm. your name selling figs and, and exotic spices and it's like nah these guys have no idea about commerce seriously <laughs> yeah, they, they, these people are complete, complete idiots <laughs> <laughs> yeah it could be an, int- an interesting game of especially if the future was some sort of spineless like newt skinned watery eyed Elon Muskiverse kind of tech bro hell if it was something that just degenerated to the point that's yeah they actually really do need some able-bodied people to figure to figure some shit out because they're just they've just gone away for so far i mean i'm not a big supporter of the the robert heinland thing about you know somebody should be able to deliver a baby and chop down a tree and do all these things Seriously, okay, if you lived on a farm, maybe. You, there's a lot of shit going on in that list, dude. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I think one well, of the responses I've seen is, a person should have enough social worth and connection to be able to have other people do these things so that they can do their thing. Yeah, yes. it's a bit. His one was entirely maximalist. But yeah, to a degree, it would be kind of nice to go, no, someone doesn't have to do that, but if they can... And if the, you know, their life is up to this point dependent on them be able to do this, like, that is really actually quite impressive. Shouldn't run them down <laughs> for that at all. <laughs> yeah, so, hmm, that'd be kind of cool. Hmm, okay. Well, I think we'll kick that one to death. Hmm, no, I, I kind of like that. And possibly the death of humanity itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the chances of the game end up with the ah-ha-ha-ha, tossing the, the, the last limp body of the scientist into the hole, and it's like, ah-ha-ha, Yes, we have destroyed these monsters. Oh, balls. How does all this work? Yeah. <laughs> Bollocks. <laughs> we didn't think this through, did we? Nope. I'm afraid we didn't. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yes. In hindsight, perhaps rescuing everybody from the prison was a bad plan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, well. You live and you learn, or you don't. <laughs> Yes, there was a pirate ship that got completely annihilated by crab by Krakatoa. We rescued them, and that's really where it started going wrong. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Cool. No, that's a pretty yeah. cool idea. Like it. Hmm. So I I had some thoughts about this one, apart from being an excellent suggestion. Excellent. As most people understand, I live in Auckland. Auckland is on a field of a uh, currently dormant field of volcanoes. I looked up the number of volcanoes, and I was myself shocked to see that it was 48 volcanoes or thereabouts. Many of them are very small volcanoes, and as volcanoes go, probably only functioned as volcanoes for maybe, you know, months or maybe a couple of years. Most of them, you know, didn't get over like 150 metres. There's a few biggins. Anyway, you know, a, lot of the suburbs, a lot of the suburbs are called Mount Something, because there is like a big lump of scoria or, you know, uh, basaltic magma. In in Auckland, more or less, if it is a hill, it is probably volcanic. <laughs> if it is a rise, it was probably part of a volcano at some places. It's like, yeah, nice. Um, or a lake. Or Oh, a yeah. Bay. yeah. If it's a suspiciously flat area <laughs> that isn't right by the ocean, it probably used to be a volcano and is now a lot of driveways. 
Yes, yes. And, you know, that was, to be fair, and it was a relatively young sort of field. It was like from about 250,000 years ago up to about 550 years ago, which is where the last one, Rangatoto, was formed out in the, out in the harbour. Which huh. is it's really recent. It's, it's, it's within like the the oral tradition of the uh, the local tribes. It was like, yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> it's like suddenly there was an island. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> it might have been a functioning volcano for some time before that. I think it all happened at once. But and you know we've got great farmland in this particular region, which we unfortunately built a huge fucking city on top of. Yay! <laughs> but all good. So that was yeah, interesting. And, you know, I thought of the Volcano Day and the idea of sort of like this dormant explosive power and the ideas of rituals that might keep things sealed. I certainly didn't want to go to the, 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 the traditional virgin sacrifice, Joe versus the volcano kind of crap. Please tell me that you went with, I think it was one of the, the Monkey Island games where they were sacrificing fruit to the um, volcano because the volcano was a vegetarian and then it ends up erupting because somebody throws in cheese because it's also lactose intolerant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not quite, not quite. But it's worth considering. I, I did, I did briefly go past some of the, you know, the the Japanese folk rituals where they will do loopy things. I think they they quite acknowledge these things. Or these things you do one day. You're like riding logs down a hill or putting giant phallic objects on floats and parading them around the town and so forth. It's oh, very, the, the, the penis festival. The yeah. penis festival. And these are very deeply held and important cultural events and they've got this, they've got a significance, but also they're quite mad. That's cool. I think about that. Um, I also briefly thought about a manga called Dragon Head, which is a really quite tough read. It's about a fictional apocalypse that happens. Basically, Tino's going on a school trip with his class. He looks out the side of the, the bullet train and sees a flash on the horizon and halfway through the tunnel, the train derails and then shit gets really, really bad. I mean, they spend the first, you know, many episodes inside a blocked off train tunnel with very few survivors and then wound up um, traversing ash filled cities and mud flats and they never quite work out what's going on but it all gets quite freaky suggested a volcano blew up but maybe something else happened so that was okay kind of brutal but a good read and bizarrely from there i got to cryo volcanoes which are kind of cool i mean literally extremely not deliberate nice nice yes um yeah the idea that you're in places like methane or water and ammonia can be heated under the surface of a planet or planetoid and come erupting to the surface. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of crazy. And I was wondering about maybe, because Volcano Day kind of made me think of Snow Day. Or, you know, Snow Days where the school's called off. And the idea you could have Volcano Day and Snow Day, so if you were on Enceladus or Titan or something like that, it's, yay! It's snowing slash lavering. Or the local equivalent of lavaing. Okay. It could be a, I mean, it could be a, a bit of a, you know, a celebration or something. You know, maybe you're getting fresh hydrates <laughs> rained down on you or something if it happens in a semi-regular. Because so, the ones on sale are some more geysers than volcanoes. But so, yeah, maybe it's a little, a little bit of a celebration thing, a bit of a, you know, the the odd cultural traditions that might arise if you're on a small planetoid out somewhere in the solar system. 
But then I thought of something much more extreme and awesome. Excellent. Remember extreme. the extreme. Sorry. Remember, remember the completely unfeasible planet from the second Riddick movie, the one with uh... the, the the Terminator that travelled the wrong way as the sun rose and things would catch fire and explode. I've seen a gif of somebody looking very bored and catching fire and disintegrating. Oh, there's a prison and... Yep, yep, and the prison's underneath the ground and the, the surface is, you know, the, the sun is... Sorry, the day, the temperature on the day side is like several hundred degrees or something like that. I rem- Yeah, and... Yeah, I, I do remember that, and they're running away from it. It's just light doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah. Geometry doesn't work like that. Optics, optics be, optics be damned. It's like, uh, was it one of the, one of the mummy movies or something like that? I think it was the second mummy movie where yeah. somehow the sunrise ch- chases them up a pyramid. Yeah, there was a there was an object at the top of a pyramid, and they had to get to it before the sun hit it, and the the light from the sun follows them along towards the pyramid and up the pyramid. And you're like, wow, this device is clearly very powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even figure out a geometric way of... No, I can't even figure out a way of of, of positioning, like, big sheets of cardboard yeah, yeah, the, to make that happen. Yeah, giant bits of cardboard were the only explanation. It still doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it still doesn't work. <laughs> um, that's is that going down? Is it no? Wait. <laughs> so yeah, how how would that yeah, mirrors? I think mirrors are the only way that you could make that work. Yeah, so that's and that seems like a very weird thing to have done. But eventually, this all coalesced into a into a dumb idea. So we've got a planet on what is functionally a dormant field of volcanoes. It has volcanoes all over the fucking place. Right, and it's been colonized it's been developed but there is a very specific trigger for the volcanoes and it's 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 some, somewhat sequential because basically because the the planet is in a orbital pair with another body and whatever side of the planet is currently facing that the other body has enough gravitational pull placed on it that the volcanoes in that part of the planet uh, become active. And I presume this is a nice slow sort of sort of celestial dance kind of thing. So the volcanoes travel around the surface of the planet in a, in a, in a stately procession and and your part and your, your, the, gr- the group in, in the game is there just on the strike of noon even if it's not a sun or so, so forth. Maybe just be on like another little, another little planet style body. The ground is shaking, you know, the, the, the planet, the, the, the auto pair has, has reached its zenith, and they are about to pull off the caper of a lifetime, as everyone gets the hell out of Dodge. Leaping back to your idea of ransacking places when things are about to go south. So, very much the taking of Beverly Hills. I should yeah, really yeah, watch I... that film. I may, I may be reimagining it as just a much better film than it actually was for something starring Ken Weil and Matt Frewer. That's got Matt Fruin. It's got to be something going for it, eh? I remember it was quite. It was an interesting heist movie. It was an interesting. It was an interesting take on on a movie, and some of the motivations for it were interesting. 
it, it, it's vaguely depressing. You, you, we, we've, we've discovered that one of our cultural touchstones is the taking of Beverly Hills. I guess we do like wacky heist movies, and the wacky heist movie where you claim that everything is about to blow up, maybe that's in our, in our wheelhouse. Was it like a toxic spill? So that was It a, sounds very nice. Toxic waste very... spill or a gas yeah. leak so that the cops of Beverly Hills could basically just loot the place. Hmm. Because I think the... one of the rationales being that, yeah, if you're a cop in Beverly Hills, you are protecting an area you cannot possibly hope to live in. Hmm. So basically, it's other people's shit. Um, but yep. the day gets saved by a football player and a basically decent cop, I think. I think that was the gist of it. So anyway, okay, so... A cinematic masterpiece, clearly. Oh yeah, yeah. There's that and there's Citizen Kane. <laughs> It is a close run thing. And to a lesser extent, Plan 9 from Outer Space. <laughs> cool. So, I guess, that, yeah, this is a high-tech caper movie, something along the lines of the stainless steel rat. Something yes. That, yeah, a very specific situation, a very unambiguously quasi-criminal element. But the, the idea is that everyone's cleared out. There are some things that are too big to move that need to stay behind we're just but you know they can be protected for the meantime but everyone else is is fleeing the situation you can got this window this opportunity where you can get in and you can get out but you want to be quick okay so we're going with regular volcano or cryo volcano regular volcano i think okay so Regular volcano that's probably just blowing a bunch of ash and and vapor around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you presumably the if this happens on a well if it happened if this happened every day nobody would bother living there or you'd no. just be living indoors the entire time. So it must be the sort of thing that happens. So I am reminded of I think it's a Harry Harrison book, Wheel World, mm-hmm. which. If I'm remembering correctly, because I read this sucker when I was a teenager, the, the the plot takes place on a planet that I I cannot remember what the actual sort of astronomical situation was exactly, but what you effectively had was a planet where they would um they I think were, were it was a sort of agricultural supply planet and they were essentially farming on on one pole for the summer. And then they'd move to the other pole for the winter. Hmm. And the plot concerns what happens when the ships, spaceships that are supposed to turn up to collect all of this grain that they've grown don't turn up. These guys are all prepared to move and they kind of have to figure out, well, okay, how do we move all of this grain? Because somebody's going to want this stuff at some point. Clearly something hmm. bad's happening out there. And so they end up basically driving across the planet. Hmm. And it, it all gets weird and political, but... Yeah, fair enough. That's that's kind of how things work. I'm kind of put in the same mindset that if you've got the rotation around the planet is slow enough that maybe you've got sort of settlements in various places, they've all moved to the next one and they'll be back at some point, sort of carrying along ahead of the of the, the volcanoes, as it were. Hmm. Maybe the eruptions of the volcanoes actually chuck up useful things and it's actually... The, the idea is that you know you follow you follow along in their their footsteps as it were and 
gather up the stuff that's been spouted out of the volcanoes and you can start to process it and, and do all these sorts of things and you've got just a lot enough to turn turn this into something useful and then the next wave comes around and you kind of have this kind of advancing wave of um oh okay industry. so it's not yeah. it's not seasonal as such it's no. it might be quicker so- than that well, it could be, it could be yeah, it could be seasonal it could be slower than that it could be you know sort of it could be like a, a multi-year kind of process but hmm. so we sort of come in immediately after the volcanoes have have erupted scoop up the useful shit plant crops hmm. move on next team moves in okay and so you've got this entire somewhat specialized kind of orange segment migration around the planet hmm and then these guys who come in and nick all their shit while the volcanoes are erupting. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm a bit hazy on what they're stealing. Yeah, that's a tricky bit. I mean, whatever it is, it can't be personal, because no, you wouldn't leave that behind. If you're just nicking the actual infrastructure, well, then you're just basically a dick. <laughs> yes, you'd be, you're, you're, you're basically a horrible person. But, you know, that's yeah. fair. Um, also... And if it's kind of the place where, even if it is like a decade-long cycle, you don't leave all of your precious artworks and gold bullion for the volcanoes to have a go at. Even you know, at best will in the world, one of them might be might be supersized this time, and you're like, not getting that back anytime soon. Oh well. Sort of thinking aloud, as it were. You know, if we assume that the. I mean, you're going to have a lot, with this sort of system, you're going to have a lot of duplication of of stuff. I mean, you're probably going to move your farming equipment and your mining equipment and that kind of thing. If it, if it only gets used once per, per rotation, you're going to move that around. But you're going to have a lot of duplication of habitation areas and storage areas and that kind of thing. Yeah. But you probably wouldn't bother duplicating, it'd be stupid to duplicate, like, the really big things. You know, effectively, planetary government. Hmm the the spaceport all that kind of thing you would potentially just build you know you build a spaceport and a smaller backup facility like on the other side of the planet mm, and something that you could shutter during the volcano season and then come back yeah. later and then yeah because otherwise you're building a huge number of facilities that get used not that often yes yeah. so i'm assuming that whatever they're nicking they're doing it from one of these, actually, we only have one of this places. Mm. So it's it's City Hall, or it's just an enormous bank heist. Yeah, or... yeah. <laughs> okay, I thought of something. Hmm? If they're in the process of... You know, if you've got the... We gather up the valuable, um, valuable shit that the volcanoes spew out, and we move on, and then we do farming and all the other stuff, and then eventually the volcanoes spew out um, things again... You're not going to ship it off and ship that valuable stuff off immediately. You're going to process it, probably, yeah, somewhere, and then you're going to stockpile it. And maybe there's something like diamonds, which are forged in volcanoes and so forth. So maybe the maybe it's something actually more rare and um, interesting than pressed carbon. But the and maybe they've gathered a, a huge number of them, ready to be to be shipped uh, shipped off. And when this when there's enough of them to be to be bothered with the security, you know, putting it yeah. in orbit. I mean, sort of the, the whole, you know, if there's other stuff that gets spewed out, that gets shipped off on a fairly regular basis because it happens in enough volume or mass to do it, mm. this other stuff, they just kind of build up until they've got a load, and in this case, 
basically it's been noticed, okay, they don't quite have a full load, and it's going to be Volcano Day at the capital slash spaceport. Hmm. That's the opportunity. Yeah, and been watching carefully, and this is this is the, the score of the lifetime. This is the thing you can retire on. Yeah. You know, untraceable gems from that dreadful volcano planet where they send people to you know, to roam around and try not to get hit by falling chunks of lava and so forth. Hmm. Yeah, and it's probably some you know, it's not a case that somebody's been sitting waiting their entire lives for this, it's just somebody noticed because if you're gonna do this sort of game, you you need to have the I think you need to have the, the conflicting motivations. You need to have the guy who is the one who doesn't actually have that many useful skills, but he's the one who figured it out. That this is the window of opportunity. This doesn't come up that often, but this is our chance. This is, I mean, you could turn this into a hell of a fiasco game. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a bit, as I say, I did feel it lived up to Volcano Day. Oh yeah, it it is well yeah. Volcano Day. I mean, shades of yeah. the movie Hard Rain. Ah, right. That was to do with a flood and um, a particular th- a particular time and so forth. Yeah, it was. If I remember correctly, the review and indeed, if the person doing the review was correct, it was a movie. It sort of came in at the end of the the big rush, sort of the '90s rush of disaster movies that basically everybody was doing disaster movies and then the producers kind of noticed as they were making Hard Rain which was this this movie about big storm and the dam's going to break with a B plot of a of a heist and realized actually the air's kind of going out of this disaster movie thing and reworked it to being a movie about a heist with a backstory of oh and the fucking dam's about to burst Right. Is this was this like post volcano and the other volcano um, and Twister and yeah, it was yeah. Like, I think Christian Slater, Morgan Freeman. Um, hmm. There's like an armored car heist with with this backdrop. They it, it was a solid movie, mm-hmm. and it wasn't a fucking and just another fucking disaster movie because there were a lot of those. There was the there was the there was the volcano movie with Pierce Brosnan. There was the volcano movie with Tommy Lee Jones, and neither of them were very good, as far as I recall. Dante's Peak and Volcano, I think. Volcano, right? Yeah, and there was twist. I mean, it was, there was yeah that sort of movie where you can spot who the curmudgeonly character who ends up uh, being self-sacrificial is. You can spot them almost immediately in that genre of movie, or at least in in, in that time period. Right then, the the so the tropes were very strong and yeah, and the special effects probably from that era didn't hold up that well, and I recall from I recall from Dante's Peak there was like a sequence of like just bafflingly unlikely escapes from very very vindictive and possibly guided lava. That does ring a bell, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, ooh, okay, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that, that, that I've been thinking about this for a couple of days, and I only just remembered the existence of Volcano and Dante. Volcano was was it the the Libria tar pits duplication of the tar pits that they, they erupted or something like in the middle of this baffling idea that that Los Angeles was suddenly sub- sinking in lava. I think so. Yeah, it was because there was a lot of stuff to do with like 
lakes drying up and... Okay, there was actually... It wasn't just, shit, there's lava coming up in the street. There was actually there's something surrounding that. Yeah, there was there was lava sort of... Le- effectively, it was lava leaking into the the underground infrastructure because there was... I think Tommy Lee Jones's character was a city engineer or something. And so there is this... There is quite a nice bit of conversation between plucky young geologist who has figured it out and Tommy Lee, um, Tommy Lee Jones' character, where she's sort of, you know, she's ex- ex- explaining what's happening, and he's just sort of doing the, okay, you, you need to give me something that I can do. Um, <laughs> you know, just yeah, uh, yeah, I, I can't fix what I can't, I can't get at. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, and they did, yeah, yeah, plucky city engineer roles are few and far between, so it's, it's indeed that's pretty good. Yeah. And I think they did do the thing of okay, we've got the we we need to at least control the lava. And I know this has worked on occasion where it's just a okay, so we put in some physical barriers, and then we just cool the shit out of it with ice or with mm. with fire hoses in this case. So it was it was a bit yeah. overdone, but they effectively had sort of okay, we're going to roll over a couple of city buses, and those things are gone. <laughs> lava berm. But, yeah, a little bit. We'll be a build a berm of lava and encourage it to go somewhere else. And yeah, I think they ended up just diverting the lava flow into the Los Angeles River, which right. is concrete lined for most of its length during through the city, I believe. Um I think that was how it worked. Yeah, that makes that that would be a good thing. I mean it's for flood protection and if you're flooded with lava it still counts, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if it's if it's if it's flowing it's a liquid. It's liquid mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you worry about what happens the next time it rains later. That is yep. Tomorrow's problem. <laughs> Today's problem. <laughs> you know, if it rains, you can climb stairs. If you're engulfed with lava, you don't really have a lot of options. Yes. That is, yeah. Probably those movies were filled with situations where people were in the vicinity of lava where they should just drop dead from the fumes, the heat, or catch fire like a match. And it's like, it's like volcanologist is one of those, the, the field work for that is fantastically risky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, mm, and the, the folks who, who who know the most about volcanoes and they still die on volcanoes. <laughs> Bad luck is a thing that exists, unfortunately. And mm. I mean, there was, I think, somebody on White Island, New Zealand, where you know, the assumption is that, well, well they know that there was a, a small, small-ish um volcanic event the assumption is that this guy got caught in it but i don't know that they ever they never found him basically Mm. it's effectively a hey dave hasn't hasn't arrived back at the shed oh shit kind of kind of territory yeah basically wrong place wrong time bad luck yeah do we go looking for him nope that would just be sending more people to die yeah, pretty right. much. We actually can't. Um, yeah, where he was isn't there anymore or something. Yeah. <laughs> I could be completely misremembering this, so I'll check and maybe excise it from the record if I'm hopelessly no, wrong. I, I think there's been like a couple of things, something in the 70s, I suspect, and but also something like really early on, like in the 1910s or something, there was an expedition. It was like, a bunch of people died <laughs> really badly. Hmm. Okay, so have we have we have we kicked that one around enough? Do you think? Or? I think so. I think so. Yeah. This is some some diff- some very different takes on. Well, actually, both, mm. they're, they're both one bent away from stealing people. Well, 
one bent away from a heist which turned into being people being stolen and doing their their thing um, and one bent back towards stuff being stolen by people who were doing their thing so <clears throat> volcanoes encourage theft apparently yeah audience if you have non-larcenous ideas please <laughs> write in i mean clearly we've got nothing stealing a volcano ooh no one has done that before that is that is definitely no, I think we might be obsessed with stealing things and Yeah, we, we 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 got some issues here. To be fair, no one's burnt down a volcano either, so maybe this is maybe we should need to have more volcano centric RPG games and plots so that, you know, the usual thing of burn it down, steal it isn't going to happen. Hmm. Uh, nick all that stuff and kick it in the giblets. How mm. would that even work? Yes. Cool. Okay. Since it's obviously starting to degenerate to, to wholesale lava theft. <laughs> Grand lava cine? No, that's that's terrible. That that was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, not not right. going to lie. Uh, that was real bad. Yeah. All right, shall we move on to audience ideas that should have been done last episode, but I was insanely tired. You're in post-Gen Con spin. Indeed, indeed. Save us, audience, from our own terrible content. All right, sh- shall I go with the first one? All right, so this one comes from Taz and is for the good news. I have sold the Fermi Paradox. Bad news. I have sold the Fermi Paradox episode. Taz writes, the challenge is how to make it a game and not a piece of fiction. Dr. N-Dimensional has broken the fourth wall and determined that we are indeed living in a simulation. The question is, how do we communicate to the entities that created us? The question, should we even try, has been mysteriously sidestepped. The Good Doctor has assembled a team of volunteers to step beyond our universe. What will they find? Who will they meet? What happens when you let a bunch of PCs with hidden agendas loose at the controls of a universe? Well, play to find out. It should be pointed out that this idea came in prior to the recording of the episode. And the Doctor Indimensional is an awesome name for an NPC. Yes, it is. So, yes, Taz, in fact, got to the idea of we're living in a simulation before I did. Kudos. Mm-hmm. Though something I hadn't thought of was the whole thing of what if you just go out, yeah, if you go out there and just start fucking with the controls of the simulation. That one didn't didn't a hundred percent occur to me. Hmm. I mean, a lot of this we did kind of trample all over during the episode, from my admittedly hazy recollections thereof. Four best days in gaming. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Um, but, yeah, the idea, I, I mean, there was, the, there was the idea of sort of communicating with the lab, um, the lab techs, and trying to do interesting stuff to keep funding going, or communicating to the, um, the people in the universe next door. But, yeah, flat out stepping out of the simulation to effectively send explorers out into the outside world is a really interesting one. Mm. I'm not a hundred on how that. I cannot remember whether this came up in the Fermi Paradox episode, but there was a there was a scenario for the Dark Conspiracy. RPG from the 90s, I want to say? Yes, it was very 90s. Yeah, I think it was a Lester Smith um, creation who 
has gone on to do a number of things that um, that, that that I have liked. So I'm quite a fan of of, of Lester Smith's work. But there was a scenario for that that yeah was was a your plane has crashed. It's a haunted house. Really creepy things going on, mm. which in fact turned out to be you're in a simulation. Not all of you get your bodies back. Mm, I think you did mention this one. Yeah, that. Yeah, this this obviously remind reminds me of that. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering how you get outside of the simulation. I mean, do you just go with the well? We can access the nano fabricator, so this just got really easy. Um, yeah. Or are you tooling around in a, a hotted up Roomba? Um, <laughs> yes. That. And is your mission to to express your rever- reverence for the majestic beings that created you? Or are you out to start some shit? I think that's the conflicting, um, conflicting and hidden agendas aspect of Taz's idea. To be honest, mm. but yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, I'm just imagining somebody sort of um, walking, yeah, walking up to one of their creators, kicking them off the chair, and saying, "Right, I want a word about the appendix." <laughs> yeah, Dave, is this really the, why is it always Dave? Yeah, Dave, is this always a, is this really the time? Yes, it's fucking the time. <laughs> why would you simulate that? Really. <laughs> Maybe you're not using it right. <laughs> yeah, wait, you mean you never figured out how to access appendix powers? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, well. Back to the drawing board. Again, something I can't remember whether it came up in the episode, but I am wondering about the, the circumstance of what happens if you access the outside world and find that you know the lab is abandoned, you know, something bad has happened out there, and... I'm not sure what you do then. It then possibly becomes a little bit more of a survival scenario, except rather than we are attempting to survive in the wasteland, it's a we are attempting to find a power supply to keep this fucking supercomputer running, or absolutely everything dies. Hmm. No pressure. That is a doomsday scenario. <laughs> the UPS is running out of charge. Kinda. And that's actually one of those, also, that one of those, um, you could be living in a universe with a massively accelerated clock so it could wind up being one of those time dilation slash forever war kind of situations like yes we're out there in the great wide open and oh goodness civilization has changed Uh, interesting yeah it's like "Mm, we've got seven hours in the ups that's actually two heat deaths and change what what are we going to do yeah we 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 got some wiggle room yeah it's like hmm of course by the time we get back Mm. The simulation will have run so far that, yeah. That's that's only if there is a massive disparity between your uh, time frames. <laughs> I mean, if there's a pause button, you literally pause the simulation while you're out, so you come back at the exact same moment you come back in. Man, you could start some shit with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm over here. I am reminded of, there was a scenario that was done by the gutter skypes. Mm-hmm by Trilobite, I believe, that was adorable little robots, I think sort of of, of the brave brave little toaster mold, being produced by a... It's basically an AI factory that produces toys. Mm-hmm. And civilization has crumbled. The factory doesn't really care about that. It just wants to produce toys that fit the market sector. Only power supplies are running low, and so it's assembled what it can, and then basically sends these robots out in order to obtain for it a power supply. 
so that it can continue to manufacture toys that the rest of society no longer wants. So there will come Sweet Rains meets Wally, or a little bit, yeah, yeah. There will come there, there will come soft rain yeah there will come soft, soft rain slash Wally slash brave little toaster brave little toaster mm, nice yeah yeah possibly brave little toaster goes to Mars I'm not sure I think that was a movie probably was <laughs> yeah so that that's that sort of thing hmm cool okay shall I read the next Taz bit please do okay and there's the Taz follows up with huh turns out my good news suggestion closely parallels the show ideas so time to throw out a different one. I like that. The PCs are part of a crew of, of an exploratory ship. The setting is a near-future, hardcore sci-fi. Hibernation technology has been perfected, and the crew has been sent on a long, slow trip to explore Planet X out in the Kuiper Belt. Is that Kuiper? I've always gone with Kuiper. Kuiper. But Kuiper. I've heard Kuiper. I, I don't, I've never actually heard the word said, so okay, I'm not okay. sure. <laughs> the planet is so distant that a manned expedition was assembled to provide real-time control of the robotic probes needed to explore it. The crew wakes up as the ship is beginning final approach. That's when the anomalies start showing up. Planet X's electromagnetic field is stronger than expected. It's significantly degrading communication to Earth. On closer approach, unusual grid-like patterns start appearing. From a distance, they blur together. On further inspection, they determine to be individual structures in rows of remarkable precision. Orbital observation reveals even more. The blurry rocks and crystals resolve into row after row of frost-covered warships. As the planet turns, the crew discovers that even more are being constructed. Everything is automated. It's some kind of uh, von Neumann, and it will soon attack humanity. Yes, von Neumann machines being things that make more von Neumann machines. Or as um, Spider Robinson put it, shit ticks making more shit ticks making more shit ticks. <laughs> it's very Spider Robinson. Hmm. It is Spider Robinson. So, the game is a puddle. With a given crew, skills, and supplies... Sorry, I think it's by Jerusalem. Not Spider-Robinson. It might be a bit Spider-Robinson as well, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, the game is a puzzle. With a given crew, skills, and supplies, they must discover the strengths and weaknesses of the machine invaders, and somehow defeat them without discovery or activating the enemy. Fleeing means a main engine burn, which would surely give them away. Hibernation is what allowed them to get this close. The actual nature of the enemy is hidden, and probably randomised. I can see it using the Cephalus engine, since this is a, a clone of the Traveller 2D6 game system. CE character gen focuses on competent characters where attribute and skill advancement is rare. So we're looking at one-shots and mini-arcs rather than a campaign game. Although an aftermath campaign might be fun. Fighting off the replicated swarms of killer space en- engines... Yeah, probably. So, 316 Carnage Among the Stars? Uh... <laughs> hmm. Yes, there's a... And there's some follow-up notes. These were a little bit scattered. I'm not sure if they were all... They were, they were responses to further up the thread. In an intergalactic war, it doesn't matter who has the biggest empire or the most fierce warriors. What matters is who develops time travel first. Good news, I just solved the Fermi paradox. Bad news, there is no E.T., or only ruins, and we've probably wiped out our own real future to save ourselves in this timeline. No game idea there, but it, fits, but it all fits together too neatly. Okay, maybe a game idea, a la 316 Carnage Amongst the Stars. Aha! The PCs are part of a genocide operations from another time stream, serving to protect humans in this timeline from any competition. Or, the PCs are human explorers, discover one bombed-out world after another, 
And then they discover dead human trooper, or perhaps a renegade from another time stream. Ooh, Doc. Yes, helping! <laughs> Ooh. I mean, attack, attacking these in reverse order, you could have some fun with... Ugh. Okay, fun in a very loose sense of the word. Imagine a circumstance where those friendly little chuckleheads of uh, the Warhammer 40k universe discover dimension hopping, discover that there is this entire universe time stream right next door where yeah, the chaos gods aren't a thing, where the various ruinous powers aren't a thing, and where those pesky alien um, races aren't organized enough to, to fight humanity. And so, being good servants of the Emperor, they decide that what they really need to do is make sure that this this other branch of humanity has the best possible chance by going out there and exterminating everyone else. Yep. And then this other branch of humanity finds it, and are effectively trying to stop a bunch of people who are doing hideous shit for their own good. Or so they think. Yes, that's an interesting thing. They, The Imperium of Man have exterminated a few human or quasi-human or post-human civilizations, apparently. not. I've, I occasionally run into bits of Warhammer lore YouTube, and it's fascinating and odd. Yeah, yeah. if the Imperium of Man decided, yes, this, this green and blue world that we barely recognize as our own home, home planet, we'll leave that alone because they're not obvious freaks. Provided they make that assessment, which isn't guaranteed, <laughs> and they go out looking for alien butts to kick, yeah, that would be kind of disturbing. It's like like, like a, a plinth on every world that has been cleansed in the name of humanity. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Did, did we do this? I don't remember us doing this. <laughs> or indeed, ever having come here. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, mm. That would be really upsetting. It's like, holy shit! <laughs> so it's, it's a way of putting the, the horrifying um, Catholic space Nazis, as I believe somebody referred to them, um, of, of the Imperium, into a game as more or less the bad guys. Well, yeah, that's a... The extremity of the universe of Warhammer 40k means there aren't really... Bad guys is pretty much a... a, a who whose gear do you think looks coolest assessment that is true yeah yeah bad guys very nebulous concept but you transpose any of them into anything virtually any other universe and you're like oh no <laughs> yeah that's that's an interesting one because then you're effectively trying to either persuade or force branches of humanity from a different timeline to stop fucking things up for you. Hmm. It does remind me of a line from, I think it's Curse of Chelian, about you know, the the difference between somebody who is doing something because it's um, their job, because they can slip up, they can be bribed, they can be worked around, and somebody who's doing it because they genuinely care about you, because they're never going to fucking blink. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, this is the Imperium of Man. They're doing what is best for you. They're never going to blink. Blinking is against the will of the Emperor. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. So, yes. 
Yes, only traitors would blink. And that's a bit more paranoia. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Some I, I'm not sure all of the servants of of man in Warhammer 40k still have eyelids, to be honest. So, yeah, we're yeah, we're, we're dealing with a pretty extreme scene. So, so yeah, that would be that would be would be super horrifying. It's like <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, this is dreadful and awful. Uh, <laughs> everything's on fire and we are in hell. Um, that would be a quite quite the twist to pull on some players. So it's like, yes, you have tracked down the menace that is, you know, grinding through a, a, a populated part of the galaxy before you have a chance to make first contact. And some bizarre reason they're willing to parlay with you when they've clearly just vaporized everyone else. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, you're you're not functionally that nasty, like feral space species we've always feared we'd come across. You're indeed us, just at the extreme end of the spectrum of usness. <laughs> Would you go with the incredible cliche of, no, these are your alternate universe selves? Having thrown the idea out there, can you not go with that? <laughs> it depends on how horrifyingly cliched the people... I mean, the idea of banging, like, Federation characters into the Warhammer 40k versions of their characters, like, from Star Trek to Warhammer 40k, would be pretty funny. <laughs> Kirk is going to have a lot more STDs. Well, I think that's frowned upon. And by STDs, I mean actual goddamn gene stealer taint at this point. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be terrible and horrible. I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe just the uh, we have met we have met the um, the monster and it is us. It would be. I mean, and it doesn't have to actually be just okay. We open the door to the Warhammer forty k. Universe and the Grim Dark got in. It could be, you know, it's like the mention of time travel or something. It's like, oh no, you don't understand. We had to do this. This is this is what this is, we know what the future is like. Kind of thing. It's like, ah, right. <laughs> that, that has a bit more inevitability rather than the Nelson Mutz. Ha ha. I just, mm. I just screwed up your universe by um, doing a crossover. Yeah, we just exterminated a world for you. But look. We've wiped all that Xenos shit out. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that, buddy. Yeah. I don't know, that'd be kind of weird. It could be funny. I mean, especially if you managed to describe all of the trappings of the Warhammer 40k, but people didn't twig immediately. That would be, um... It, it would be a... F that would be delicious as, as the players, one by one, sort of succumb to... Must not use out of character knowledge! Must not use out of character knowledge! <laughs> It'd be a nice reveal for sort of the end of season one, as it were, yeah. that you've been you've been tracking this reign of horror. You eventually get there and then discover it's humans. Nasty case of the humans. Yep. Indeed. Humans and gigantic multi-mile-long spaceships. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It would be a dick move, though. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you found the bad guys. They are... Uh... A bunch of eight-foot-tall, power-armed, wielding religious zealots. Mm. It's like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. On the other hand, they seem to like... <laughs> they they think you're tops. Wow. Though they do have these explanatory pamphlets about the god-emperor of man. 
that they're really keen on you reading. Okay, so we've 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 done horrible things to that one. Um, mm. Working back upwards to the the von Neumann um, exploratory ship one. I mean, as a player, I can see a lot of sneaking around involved. Yeah, that's a specific kind of game for a specific kind of person, I think. Might be interesting. Definitely mm. like a puzzle solving sort of thing. Yeah. Because you need to, yeah, you need to figure out who the hell built this, why, is this the great the, the great filter in action mm. that somebody sort of set this thing up long ago? Is this somebody's really, really hands-off invasion pl- uh, plan? Hmm. How long's it been running is probably a good one. Um, some of this stuff is a bit, m- a, a bit moot unless you can stop it. Oh yeah, yeah. If you if you want to, you figure out what the timeline is and. Uh... Is this what happened to the dinosaurs? Sorry. Hmm. Oh, just wondering whether. Um, hey, yeah. From what I can figure out from these records, these guys got launched once before. Oh, okay. So turned out it wasn't just. That meteor that killed the asteroid impact that killed off the dinosaurs. All right, it was space bastards. Indeed. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be a, tr- a tricky one. If I was running this as a GM, it would not not be my decision as to how you um, defeat the problem. That's entirely up to the players to figure out. But yeah, this, as, as is pointed out, this is this is a puzzle. I think as a GM, you'd have to do a lot of prep on that one. Hmm. It would be very easy to sort of improv your way into a into a hole. Yeah, it, you'd want to internalize the logic behind why the ships are there and why they're being more are being built when you know, you know. Yeah, honestly, you could the time they're taking, they could just ride a couple of rocks into the the atmosphere, and you know, that would probably do. Yeah, yeah, you would you would need to go quite far down the okay, why are they doing this? Hmm. Yeah, it's almost a yeah, it's almost a solve the crime murder mystery kind of of setup. Except the murder hasn't happened yet, mm. but you still need to have all the bits, all the bits sorted out. Because yeah, I know if I if I tried to run this and was winging it, I would very quickly end up in the situation where I'd put in a couple of bits of information that were contradictory, and then either have to work around that or hope that the players never noticed. And they always bloody notice. They notice probably less than you assume, but it's very easy to panic your way into thinking, ah, they're on to me. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, they've noticed that I have no idea what's going on. Ah, my limbs are flailing uncontrollably. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting one. Interesting game to play. I do like tinkering with puzzles, but... Mm. Yeah, you would need to have a lot of bits, and you would need to be keeping fairly copious notes. I, If I was running this, I would want to come up with a bunch of handouts. This feels like a handout-heavy sort of game. <laughs> or at least that it would it would benefit from being a handout-heavy sort of game. Indeed. Cool, yeah. Also, Planet X. Woo! <laughs> Shall I go with the last one? Sure. This one comes to us from Kitamono and is for the episode We're Wearing Fezzes, Sunglasses, and It's Dark Out. Hit it. Kitamono writes, Great show, guys. Craig, I hope your flight back to old Blighty is uneventful. Get plenty of sleep. Well, I tried. (laughs) In hindsight, 
flying back at midday on a Wednesday and then going back to work on Thursday was a mistake. Yes, yes, it like, was. A really, really big one. Just huge, huge mistake. Yeah. Gigantic. Yeah. Not, not going to... No, I'm not going to do that again. I mean, I'm already planning for Gen Con 2019, and part of that planning involves don't do that. And the categories, apparently. <laughs> so, Kitamono writes, <clears throat> Anyway, it's my prompt, and prompt if I want to, want to. We're wearing fizzes, sunglasses, and it's dark out. Hit it. This sounds like it's a cross between the 11th Doctor and the Blues Brothers. Yes, indeed. Very much. Hmm. The Doctor appears in 1976 Chicago during the events of the movie. The Blues Brothers, only... Jake has been picked up for violating his parole, Elwood is on the run, and Sister Mary Stigmata still needs the 5,000 to save the orphanage. It's up to the Doctor, his companions, his wife, and if necessary, Jake and Elwood, to sell, save the Penguin's orphanage. System, system. If oh, there was only a system for Doctor Who. I know, fate accelerated. <laughs> The game will still have Illinois Nazis, the good old boys, Jake's ex-fiancée, as well as the state, county, and city police, all out after Jake and Elwood. And there should be singing, or at least music, from the movie. Yes, and this, um, thanks to Kitamoto, he's actually recapped, I mean, if you haven't seen the Blues Brothers, that's an accurate recap of what... What are you doing with your life? Sorry, <laughs> that wasn't where you were going, my bad. <laughs> that is actually an accurate recap. I think we breezed over it as like, it's the Blues Brothers, everyone's seen the Blues Brothers. There's a, as part of this year's not an annual thing at all, Dan Aykroyd movie season, the Cinema Super Collider podcast did a bunch of uh, Dan Aykroyd movies, including the Blues Brothers. And yeah, that was a pretty good recap. I'll, I'll chuck a link into that. But yeah, having actually covered off what the Blues Brothers was about, it's pretty much that, but with music. Yeah. Relaunched a bunch of Motown artists from what at the time was like terrifying obscurity so Felt yeah, so it was one of those sort of seminal pieces of work that had no right to be and yet was um it was different and possibly unrepeatable at least as far as blues brothers 2000 is concerned i never saw blues brothers 2000 did i miss anything i don't know <laughs> did anybody see blues brothers 2000 did we miss anything fair enough but yeah, well, uh, I, I should stop trying to uh, outsource looking up movies to the uh, to the audience. I should try to make Kev do it. <laughs> it's vocational. And and he hearing the occasional salty Doctor Kev review would be quite good. Yeah, I I still have fond memories of hearing Kevin marking in the other room and just having hearing the cries of "Have you the brain worms?" Or, why must you turn my office into a haven for filthy lies? Yes. Well, this is pretty much what it says on the tin. Doctor Who yeah. is injected. Levin was Matt Smith. He was the Fez Bearer. I the fez believe so, yes. yes the, 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 the Bearer of the Fez. Yeah. So, yeah, there would just be wacky hijinks in the not very similar, but slightly compatible vein of the two media styles. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see that happening. It's kind of a tribute, but yeah. The Twelfth Doctor would work as well. Hmm. Mostly because of the musical numbers. Yeah, true. Because it has been established that the Twelfth Doctor does, does play the electric guitar. Or at least is pretending to be able to play the electric guitar. He may just be sonicking it. 
he could just, as you say, be, be Sonicking it. I mean, he's got Sonic sunglasses at least some of the time, so that's that's a thing. Yeah, I I think that might just be, as is said on the tin, it would involve you know being invested in both forms of media, which is more remote than it used to be as a ch- uh, as likelihood to go. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really to add to that one. <laughs> it's just like, that's an awesome idea. It's very much a beer and pretzels con game. Hmm. Seeing these characters bump up against one another. I mean, if you got enough for a party, I mean, if you... Jake and Elwood would be slightly odd characters, but... Then so is everyone else. Yep. Cool. Yeah. It would be... If the Doctor was willing to just flat out nick shit, then getting that 5,000 is going to be really, really easy. So clearly that's not an option. It has to be done legitimately. Or uh, that's right. Mary, Sister Mary wouldn't accept the um, wouldn't accept the money if it was raised illegally. I think was the the gist of the thing. Hmm. So they they had to earn it approximately honestly for a very weird definition of honesty. I think it was approximately honestly in the context of Jake and Elwood Blues. That's fair. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely seeing this as a, a, a you know as a beer and pretzels uh, con game, possibly run at a bar. Yeah, just for the the whole feel of the thing. If you could run this at a bar, that would be good. Drinking would help the silly accents. Oh yeah, be performed. <laughs> I'm not sure if it'll help them in their performance, but you know. So a bar with a karaoke machine, maybe not. Maybe not. That might be a step too far. Hmm. Hmm. Nice, I like that. That's that. That's fun. Yeah, there is post Gen Con for the last couple of years. There has been sort of a a Gen Con rear guard thing at one of the hotels. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there there have been things scattered all over Indianapolis. This was one that was just a little bit more, a little bit organised on the uh, on the forums, I think. So. Yeah, I don't know where in the hotels that takes place, but if it took place in a bar and they were open to to an RPG, that could be a fun kind of wacky close down. Yep. The idea that you would have little toy cars um, has a certain appeal. Well, given that they crashed 150 cars in the Blues Brothers movie, and probably a couple in Doctor Who. Really? Yeah, it was a, it was a. That was the record holder, according to the podcast that I referenced earlier, was the record holder until the second Matrix film crashed all of the cars and no one had any more left. Wow. Yep. So 150 is a lot. I mean, yep. I'm sure the Dukes of Hazard crashed that number of cars over the course of a show. Hmm. Because they went through a lot of cars, to my understanding. Well, I'm pretty sure there's, like, shots in the Blues Brothers where you look like 40 cars piled up just just in a shot <laughs> it's like yeah wow some of them are some of them are yeah they're just a procession of police cars lights are flashing just pile into each yeah, other <laughs> it just goes on for a while you're thinking holy shit <laughs> yeah they must go back to the start at some point here hmm. Hmm. yeah that one that one more or less writes itself i mean you'd, you'd want to make sure that the players had seen the blues brothers and knew about Doctor Who, because this yeah. strikes me as one where if you don't if you don't get the sort of the 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 setting assumptions, the game won't work. Indeed, or at least won't work for you. 
It would it would need I mean again handouts and so forth maybe clips and so forth to keep people um, up to speed but uh, running it at a Gen Con after party would probably be a good crowd. Mm. They're likely to have familiarity okay. with both both forms. So that's good. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and beer and beer, very important. Indeed. And that might reach the end of our um, what we laughingly refer to as content. Indeed. Thank for thank you for Taz and Kimono for helping us fill out some time and some excellent ideas. Apologies for not getting to them sooner. Yeah, they 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 float in the the ether of the couch until they're needed. Is that a thing we're going with now? The ether of the couch. Yes. The etheric couch. The etheric couch. Not not red at all, but in fact, you know, a color out of space. Yeah. Is it etheric? Yes. Very etheric. <laughs> Nice. Which might be from the 5,000 fingers of Dr. T. It was... A, except it was atomic. It was atomic in that one. Yes. <laughs> but yes the, yes, the scientist seriously describing something as being very atomic. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that stuck with me. I mean, I, I was convinced the rest of the film was a fever dream, and frankly is, um, for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it inspired that really um, surreal... Uh, Red Hot, well, actually, a lot of the Red Hot Chili Peppers videos were pretty surreal, but this was the black and white one with the weird shapes and so forth. Pretty sure that was. Don't remember that one. Yeah, I don't remember that one. I have to try and recall. I'm sure we can find the uh, trailer for the Five Thousand Doctors. Sorry, the Five Thousand Fingers Fingers of Doctor T. Because the Five Thousand Doctors of of Mister T. Yeah, of Mister T. That, that's a different crossover entirely. Well, the 5,000 doc- um, uh, Doctors of Mr. Finger? I mean, this is just getting worse. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, that film had um, Dr. Zeus as a set and costume designer. <laughs> and it showed. It really, really did. Cool. All right. So that'll be something to check out. Yeah, we'll put a trailer in there. I'm intrigued by the idea of 5,000 Doctors of Mr. T, suddenly. I don't know why. It's getting late here, folks, so maybe that's... Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so about the only thing left to do is to announce what the prompt for episode 113 is. And looking at it, it is the surprisingly topical and relevant suggestion from me, which always makes me suspicious. Mm-hmm. Never go full force on an eclair, son. Yes, the suggestion was a shoo-in. Really? <laughs> hey, look, most people don't get obscure pastry puns, right? <laughs> Why? Why are we like this? Uh, can't say. Uh, I blame Gary Gygax. All right. Hush. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be proud. <laughs> and horrified. Mm. Mostly horrified. So, you are threatened at a clear point to um, join us for the next episode. Clearly, it is time to end. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? 
Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time. Oh god, we've been recording for two hours and there was the fucking around that happened before that. Oh my god. (laughs) I didn't realize it was this late.